Well, good morning, Southside. Before we begin our time in the Word together, I'd like to take this opportunity just to recognize a group of our members who have had a very difficult end to their collegiate careers. Uh, These are members who have just graduated with their undergraduate degrees, and this is a special group. They really are, because uh, through it all, their faith and joy have remained in the Lord. So these members are uh, Cooper Osborne, Desiree England, Emily Pierce, Hayden Howe, Jesper Jiang, Kayla Shannon, and Owen Roberts. Graduating seniors, we love you. Thank you for your faithfulness to the church, and may the Lord bless you in all your endeavors wherever he leads you. You mean so much to this family, and congratulations on your accomplishments. Our sermon this morning comes from Romans 13, 1 to 7. Feel free to go ahead and turn there. Especially in our day and age, it seems like everyone enjoys and loves a good rebel story. For instance, just think about Star Wars. The rebel forces seek to destroy the Galactic Empire, even Robin Hood robs the rich to feed the poor. Hunger Games, Katniss Everdeen leads a rebellion against the capital with only a bow and arrow. Just think of other movies like Cool Hand Luke, Oscar Schindler, Les Miserables, the list goes on and on. It's even in our own American blood. In some ways, to to be American is to be somewhat rebellious. Our own history affirms this. And we're founded on the backs of mavericks, pioneers, free spirits, renegades, separatists. Our forefathers rebelled against England in the Revolutionary War, and they founded a government by the people, for the people. Just for instance, take a look at our Declaration of Independence. Now, I know everyone has memorized this, and you could probably quote the whole thing to me right now, but I'll just read just a section of it. America was founded on words like these. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government. To be American in some ways means to be rebellious against even the idea of government. Because if we don't like it, we just overthrow it. We just, we do away with it. But as Christians... How should we think about government? How should we think about government when our citizenship is ultimately in heaven? And really the answer lies in today's passage in Romans 13 verses 1 through 7. And as a continuation of chapter 12's idea of how to live as the people of God, Paul now addresses how we should live as the people of God under the government. In this passage, Paul shows why and how we should be submissive citizens. Starting in verse 1. 
Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. Let's pray together. Lord, just give us ears to hear and hearts to obey your commands of how to live as submissive citizens under our governing authorities. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So Paul starts off with a command. Verse one, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. And notice Paul uses the word subject or submit. And these are basically the same idea. They're they're synonymous with each other. And notice that he didn't say obey. What's the difference? Total obedience is only reserved for our ultimate authority, which is God. And submission is obeying the subordinate authority who is ultimately under our highest authority, which is God. You see, this this kind of idea is also seen in Ephesians 5 when you see wives submitting to their husbands. God is over all, but even then we see a hierarchy of submission. Both husband and wife are under God, but the wife submits to her husband. And likewise, we are to submit to governing authorities who are ultimately under God. And the rest of the, he starts off with this command and the rest of the passage really explains why and how we should do this. So why? Why should we be submissive citizens? And Paul really gives us three reasons as to why we should submit to the government. The second half of verse one says, for there is no authority except from God and those that exist have been instituted by God. Our first reason, God is the ultimate authority. This is our first reason why we should submit to governing authorities. Paul says there is no authority except from God, which means all authority is ordained by God. That sounds crazy, but Paul knew what he was talking about. He knew the weight of what he was writing because he knew his Old Testament. 
He knew Daniel 2.21, which says about God, he changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. Or in Daniel 2.37, when talking to Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel says, you, O king, the king of kings, to whom God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power and the might and the glory. Or even in Isaiah 45 about Cyrus, the invading king of Persia. Thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have grasped, to subdue nations before him and to loose the belts of kings. Or even just Proverbs 21.1, the king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord and he turns it wherever he wills. God truly has ordained all in governing authority. And it's easy to affirm this when maybe someone we like or even someone is on, our, on the, our same team is in the governing authority. It's easy to say, oh yeah, they're definitely from God. They're definitely ordained by God. But what if it's someone that we dislike? Taylor County is a very Republican county, so chances are, you like the results of the last presidential election. But what if the election had gone differently? We may say yes and amen to President Trump, but what if we were now saying instead President Clinton? Paul's words would still ring true. Paul's words would still ring true that say there is no authority except from God and those that, have, that exist are instituted by God. And this is just as true for us as it was for the Roman believers reading this for the first time. They're currently under Nero as their emperor. Now, Christian persecution hadn't necessarily reached its climax yet, but in just a few short years, Christians would be fed to animals for sport in the Colosseum by day and used as human torches to light Nero's garden by night. But yet, even Nero was still instituted by God. God has sovereignly instituted governing authorities, all governing authorities, whether they be Nero, President Trump, President Obama, or Kim Jong-un. So what do we think about this? Christian, take heart. Because as Christians, we should take comfort from this. Because your heavenly father who sits on his throne above heaven and earth has ordained whoever sits in the Oval Office. Verse two leads us into our second reason why we should submit to governing authorities. Verse two says, therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed and those who resist will incur judgment. Our second point, resistance meets eternal judgment. So since all governing authority has been ordained by the ultimate authority, 
if we resist the governing authority, we ultimately resist God. Which begs the question, as I'm sure many of y'all are asking like I did when I first started studying this passage, is there ever a case that we should resist the governing authority? I mean, what if the governing authorities command us to disobey God? What do we do? Well, that's when we need to follow suit with the apostles in Acts 5.29, who, when pressed by the religious authorities to stop teaching Christ in the temple, they say, we must obey God, Christ, rather than men. And then they were thrown in jail because of it. But if the governing authority is not commanding us to sin, we should submit to them even if we don't like it. So if you resist and it's not an issue of sin, stop resisting. Paul tells us very blatantly, those who resist will incur judgment. And he's not just talking about the court system. Eternal judgment, hell, awaits those who resist governing authorities. Why? Because those who resist show that they don't know the God who has ordained the governing authority. So in other words, if we do not submit to the governing authorities, we ultimately show our unbelief in God. And this should give us great pause if we challenge laws, even laws that seem petty to us, like not submitting to a speed limit sign or evading our taxes or doing an illegal U-turn or illegally downloading music. Jesus, our Savior, humbled himself to the manger. And when he returns, He is coming as judge. And honestly, this is another reason to take heart because all injustice that we see around us and all the injustice that isn't condemned in this life, all injustice that slips through the cracks of this temporary justice system will be condemned on judgment day. Everything will be made equal on judgment day. So we should submit because God is ultimately in authority. And secondly, eternal judgment awaits those who resist. A third reason as to why we should submit to governing authorities is found in verses three and four. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Our third reason as to why we should submit to governing authorities is because of the temporary benefits and consequences. Temporary benefits and consequences. You see, governing authorities, generally speaking, 
generally speaking, don't punish law-abiding citizens. So Paul is saying here, be a law-abiding citizen. That's the nature of government, rewarding that which is sown. If we obey the government, we are able to live freely. We're able to work, to provide. We're able to follow dreams, aspirations, and desires. We're able to go to school and graduate. And first and foremost, we're able to worship God in all of life. Just think about the benefits we clearly see all around us that are non-existent in other countries. Paul says we should do what is good. Why? Because Paul calls governing authorities servants of God. And these servants of God reward good behavior and they enact justice. So conversely, what if we disobey? He says, be afraid. Why? Because there are consequences. That's the whole reason for the justice system. Whether it's a fine or jail time, or as Paul says here, the sword. They show they are God's servants because they enact justice. Just a side note. Swords weren't used to slap someone on the wrist. They were used for the death penalty, as Paul himself would experience in Rome just a few years later. And as scary as all this might sound, just think if governing authorities didn't implement consequences of actions. There'd be anarchy and chaos. This is why Paul is able to call them servants, that word diaconis, deacons of God, and even avengers, because they implement ultimately God's justice. Avengers. Hulk, Thor, Iron Man, Captain America, Black Widow, Officer Timothy Schmidt. Who knew God calls these governing authorities the Avengers? They carry out God's wrath, implementing justice on the wrongdoer. And this temporary implementation of justice is just a foretaste of the eternal wrath to come. That's why he says wrath there. So I encourage us to be submissive citizens. Why? Because we get to enjoy the freedoms of government. When we obey, we get to enjoy these freedoms. And when we disobey, the consequences are a foretaste of the wrath to come. We should submit to governing authorities because God is our ultimate authority. Resistance is met by eternal judgment and because of the temporary benefits and consequences that the governing authorities provide for us. Verse five is really a summary statement. It says, therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. And what's he mean by this? Well, he says, therefore, to summarize 
that we must be submissive to avoid God's wrath. We've already talked about this, both eternally and temporarily. The second reason being the the sake of conscience. Meaning for the Christian, we violate our consciences when we rebel against something instituted by God. We should feel conviction even if we violate the law without the law knowing. Why? Because we worship the one who instituted this governing authority. To help summarize this, 1 Peter 2, 13 through 17 is an amazing parallel passage. It really almost thought for thought follows this passage. It says this, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to the governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. So let us be submissive citizens because we know the ultimate authority, because we know the eternal consequences, as well as the temporary consequences consequences and benefits that governing authorities provide. So now Paul moves into the how. We know the why, why we should be submissive citizens. How do we do this? Paul commanded us and he showed us why and now he tells us how. In verse 6 we see the Romans example He says, for because of this, you also pay taxes for the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. The Romans give us an example to follow. Paul affirms them here. He says, for because of this, because because you know why you should submit, you pay taxes. And then he calls the government servants of God again. The government is able to carry out their role as God's servants because of taxes. We should be all the more ready and willing and even glad to pay taxes because these are servants, ministers, ordained and instituted by God to govern over us. And this leads us into verse 7, our concluding command. He says, pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. So he says, pay to all what is owed them. Taxes and revenue. And revenue is kind of a tricky translation there. It's really just it's really indirect taxes. And these were taxes, these these kinds of things were levied on goods or tolls. You can kind of think of it in those terms. Think of it as indirect and direct taxes. 
And a reiteration of this idea comes from Jesus in Luke 20. When asked hypocritically by the scribes and chief priests about the lawfulness of paying taxes, Jesus gets a coin and asks in verse 24, whose likeness and inscription does it have? And they said, Caesar's. He said to them, then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. We should give our taxes willingly because that is what is owed to these servants of God. And then he says, respect to those whom respect is owed and honor to whom honor is owed. Respect, which really means to be in awe. That's literally what it means, to be in awe of. And honor, which means to value. You don't just value something externally. You value it from the heart. The same way that children are to honor their fathers and mothers in Ephesians 6.2, we are called to honor those in the government. And there's no conditional statement here either. It doesn't say, well, only if the government is respectable. Only if the government official is honorable, you should respect and honor them. No, it doesn't say that. No matter how egregious the character, we should honor and respect them. We don't have to agree with them, but we must respect and honor them. A small way we can show this is by always using the respected title for their name. President Trump, Governor Abbott, Mayor Williams, President Obama, Officer Schmidt, Officer Ward. I don't know how that applies when they're not in uniform if you see them at church, but we'll figure that out. Another way we can honor them is to be the most compliant when it comes to recommendations or guidelines and not hard and fast rules. To be overly compliant, to understand. Now, does this list serve as an all-inclusive standard of rules to follow? No, it's, it doesn't list out every single way we should practically submit, but it does include our attitude for every time that we do submit. And that is respectfully and honorably. And since we live in a free country and have access to social media, it's super easy to fall into dishonor and disrespect because in our country, there's no laws against sharing your opinion. As citizens, we have the freedom to voice opinions about our leaders on social media, no matter how disrespectful. But just because we can doesn't mean we should. And if we disrespect the govern, governing authorities, we're actually disobeying the ultimate authority. We're actually disrespecting the ultimate authority. As Christians, we are commanded to respect and honor them. In recent days, the government has been on our minds a lot in the middle of a pandemic. And the government will only be on our minds all the more as we're in an election year. I urge you, 
following the theme that starts in Romans 12, let's show that we are the people of God by being submissive citizens. Why should we submit? Because God is the ultimate authority. Because eternal judgment awaits those who resist. And because of the temporary consequences and rewards that await those who obey or disobey. So how do we submit? By paying taxes, both indirect and, and, indirect and direct taxes, and respecting and honoring those in governmental authority. I pray that we will seek to be submissive citizens. And for ways that we haven't been, may we be quick to repent. Even now, if the Holy Spirit is bringing to your minds ways that you haven't been submissive, please repent and turn from that. And today, submit to God by being submissive citizens. Let's pray together. God, we've heard your word in a lot of ways it goes against the grain of who we are. But God, you are transforming us and you are creating us. You have, we are your people and you are making us more and more like your holy people. So God, would we take this call seriously to be submissive citizens. May we repent of ways in our hearts that want to rebel against the governing authorities or disrespect or honor. God, may we overflow with honor and respect because we know that by doing so, we are worshiping you, our ultimate authority. And it's in you that we have hope. We await the day that we get to see you in glory when you will return and judge the living and the dead. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.